I want to start by just thinking about what we've dealt with in terms of God's attribute. God is a just God, we say. And justice is appropriate by definition. That's what it means. If you have a just judge who's sitting on the bench and he's meeting out a just response to a crime, we understand that that is by definition appropriate. And if we allow in the conversations we're having with non-Christians the topic of God being just, we need to at least remind them that justice as a word, justice as a concept, is something that would be appropriate. As the biblical writers, even though they have struggled, and the characters, in this case Abraham, struggling with God and his response to the city that he didn't want destroyed, at least in his own heart, defaults to something, though he may not understand why God's judgment would come, and he keeps thinking about God sparing the city that he's pleading for, but in the end he says in Genesis 18.25, well, I know this, far be it from you, he's speaking to God now, to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked, far be that from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just." And even in our ontological thinking about God, if God is, if there is a God and the God that exists, we would, we, would, we would consider, and certainly he's been revealed to be a just God, then we would understand that whatever his response is to moral crimes, to failures, to transgression, to iniquity, to sin, we would say, well, whatever that is, it's going to be appropriate. That's what it means to be a just God. And we know that he's going to be doing what is Appropriate. Revelation chapter 16, verses 5 through 7, in hailing the attributes of God, and I think this is a helpful passage because it's the angelic beings who we assume have a much better perspective than we do. Think about it. Angels that have never compromised, the angels that have never sinned, they were tempted in a sense as we are, not as chronically or consistently, but certainly at least we assume in this time past they were tempted and they failed. I'm sorry, they they. That's not the right way to put it. They succeeded in not falling to sin. They, they are holy in that sense. They are, in a sense, though they are temporal beings, they have a beginning, they're not holy as the thrice holy God of Isaiah 6 is, but they are they're righteous beings, and they're looking at God's judgment on a world, and they, we would assume, would have a good definition of justice. They respond to God's punishment in this great tribulational period in Revelation chapter 16 by saying, just are you, O holy one, you're perfect, you're righteous, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they, now in particular here, the sins of this particular scene, they have shed the blood of the saints and prophets, and you've given them blood to drink, which is protracted in this case, at least during the tribulational period, punishment and pain upon them for their sins. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, so here's the heavenly chorus in some way, some angelic being saying, yes, Lord God, the almighty, true and just are your judgments. Justice is by definition what is appropriate. God's response to sinful people, sinful infractions is going to be just. That's what the Bible would present us with. And I think even logically and objectively, though we see it all from a sinful perspective, we would have to say, we understand that justice means that what he's going to do is going to be right. So the word excessive would never be an adjective describing justice because there would be no such thing as a perfect and holy God being excessive. He's not capricious. He's not responding in a knee-jerk way, even though the word wrath and anger is a part of it. It is not like human wrath and anger. That's what wrath means, of course, anger. It's not a 
response that is somehow provoked by something that the next day you would say, well, I overreacted. There's nothing excessive about God's just response to sin. It's always measured. It's always appropriate. It's always proper because it is just, and that's what justice means. The second thing I'd want to say is not only just the definition of the word justice means what is appropriate, so therefore it can't be excessive, we've got to realize when we're thinking about something like why is there eternal punishment for temporal sins, we've got to recognize that sin is, and I think you could assume this if we understand that God is not going to be excessive and he's all going to do right, then apparently there is an appropriateness to a long-term punishment for a short-term infraction, right? We would say this, sin is a bigger offense than assumed. We think it's not a big deal, and yet it must be a bigger deal than it is. So we've got to at least change our perspective and at least be open to the changing of our perspective. As Psalm 50 verses 19 through 21 says, speaking of people in judgment here, the psalmist saying, you give your mouth free reign for evil. I mean, God's, these are God's indictments. And your tongue frames deceit. And who hasn't done that? We've all said evil things and we've all deceived people with our words. You sit and speak against your brother. We've all done that. It's called slander. And you slander your mother's son. We've all done that. These things you have done, and here's what God says, and I have been silent. In other words, I have not brought immediate judgment upon your sin. Even in the garden, though there was a, an immediate relational punishment for sin, there was not an immediate retribution for sin, and therefore, there was a gap between the infraction and the punishment. And in that case, here's the response of human beings in that regard. You thought I was one like yourself. You didn't think it was a big deal. You thought I didn't think it was a big deal. But now, even though it was delayed, I now rebuke you and lay the charge before you. The reality of human beings moving the sliding scale of morality, as it always does, descending little by little, even as we've seen in the last 50, 60 years in our country, as things move in a direction of increasing acceptance of evil, the reality is that people look at the judgment that everyone's afraid of in their conscience and in creation, which we've talked about, and they don't see it happen. God doesn't seem to fry us for our infractions. And therefore, they think, well, must not be a big deal with God. And therefore, the, the scales keeps moving. So we have to think in absolutes when we think about God's justice. And then we think, I cannot define it by God's lack of activity in response to my sin. That's a super important place for us to begin once we begin with the idea of justice being appropriate, just as a word, as a definition. Sin is a bigger offense than assumed. Why? Because I think we need to think for just a moment about the gravity of a response and the problem is going to correspond to the one sinned against. The gravity of the problem and therefore the response and what makes that an appropriate response to the sin is going to correspond to the one that is sinned against. As Psalm 51.4 reminds us, against you, here's David talking about his own sin, even though he just killed Uriah, and bedded down Uriah's wife and took him, took her rather as his own, he says, ultimately, I know that's a sin against you. You've made a commandment and I violated a commandment. Therefore, I've violated something that you've asked me to do. We've, I've violated my relationship with you. I've violated your standard. And ultimately, this is an ultimate statement because clearly he did sin against Uriah. He sinned against Uriah's family. He sinned against a lot of people in what he had done. 
And yet he says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be, here's the right thing now, God's justice, you might be justified. No one's going to say that you are not doing the right thing or the appropriate thing. No one's going to charge you with excessiveness in your words and blameless in your judgment. And he knew that the capital offense for adultery was something on the books in the Mosaic law. And if God were to kill him for that, he said it's appropriate. And even the judgments that did come, warfare in his house, the kind of uprising that would come with his son, uh, all the Absalom, and all the things that would happen in his family because of the death of the child, all those things. He says, all of that's appropriate. I recognize that. For what? Well, I guess ultimately for adultery and then for murder. But the reality is the picture of sin is one that is appropriately responded to in ways that seem big because God is the one who's sinned against. And, and the illustration is always helpful, in my mind at least, that you can punch someone in the nose and expect a judgment for that. It's called assault and battery, right? You're battering someone with your fist, but it really is going to depend, the judgment, based on the context and the person you punched in the nose. If you punch someone in the nose in a parking lot because you are fighting over a parking space, that's one thing. If you, par if you punch a sheriff in the nose, that's another thing. If you punch a judge in the nose, if you punch a, a, a governor or a president in the nose, these are entirely different kinds of responses that you're going to have based on the one you sin against. And that's the problem. We have to do the one to whom we have to do, this one we have to give an account, is the ultimate one of the universe. And that's the problem that we need to start painting in our own minds, that sin is a sin ultimately against God, and God is a God of tremendous worth and value, and therefore the gravity of my sin continues to increase because of the one I've sinned against. Is it excessive then to say that I'm going to get years in jail as opposed to a fine and a ticket depending on who I punched in the nose. Well, yeah, that's just how it works because there is an associated penalty based on the value and worth, context, the honor, the rank of the one that you punched in the face. And all of our sin is a punch in the face to God. And if you think about that, you don't want to punch God in the face, and that's the idea of Psalm 51.4, that this is a sin and a violation of God's honor. 